You've got a lot of sausages and things that just come to their head and... And it chipped it away again! Toby Flood. God's sake! He pulled my scrub cap off and he squirted water in my face and you're not allowed to do that. Shut it off! Shut the confidence off! What a yoga! <laughs> Hello and welcome to uh, another episode of the Waste High Rugby podcast. The podcast that no one asked for but you've got anyway. Um... We are absolutely delighted to be joined by Mike Clyde uh, in today's episode. Mike, lovely to have you with us. Um, I know we've all had some pretty busy weekends, so I'll just do a quick round table before we get into the more serious stuff, let's say. So, Jack, it was your stag this weekend. How are you feeling? I feel absolutely awful. No, no one should ever have to go through that. There's a reason why I'm getting married once, and that's it. No more. What uh, what were you up to? Uh, I went go-karting in the rain on the Friday with the bloke. Um, well, actually, so I had a load of mates from England over and then a few mates from Norway and went go-karting on the Friday. The bloke, basically, there was zero health and safety, which was quite funny. Um, I think my uh, London mates were a bit shocked at that. But that was class. It was like in the rain and stuff. And then we went up into uh, Nordfjell, into the mountains, and uh, rented a plush cabin, and then twenty lads got a bit weird over the next two days. And then uh, yesterday, I had the worst day of my life. I had to be in a car for seven hours down from the mountains into Oslo, and then in from Oslo to Christiansand. And I chucked up in the back of a car in a pl- into a plastic bag with a wine bottle in it. Threw the wine bottle away because I had chunder everywhere, and my missus got annoyed that I threw alcohol away and then yeah basically died and then today and woke up with like alcohol sweats did all the did all the good stuff and then yeah went for another like four hour nap and then now I'm starting to feel human again so it's all good sounds like a yeah tough weekend Uh, it was no it was good it was good I just had to prove to people that I could that I could drink because no one thinks I can drink so I think I proved to everyone I could drink and then now everyone can leave me alone nice nice uh, Mike, I know there's quite a lot happening uh, for yourself over the past few days. Do you want to let us know what you've been up to? Yeah, so we uh, we hosted the Sand Rugby Tournament. Um, it's the second time we've done it here in Vigi Soggen. Um, this time we had a touring team from Stratford Bon Avon come visit us. And um, but yeah, I thought because they were all over thirty, I thought they might be sort of vaguely sensible. Um, but really, it was just a bunch of old fellas who'd been let off the leash. And um, they started getting weird on the bus journey over. Uh, Isak from Eldar Rugby picked them up from Bergen Airport and drove them over the mountain. I think it took them like an extra two hours to get here because they kept having to have P-stops and chunder stops and then get out to look at something, then have another P-stop and then someone went walk about. Um, absolute madness. And then uh, they got here and we had to help them around the shops because they couldn't work their things out. You know, you get like a group of blokes and they're all a bit drunk and then you get that like social loafing where because they try and like have one person in charge of things, no one else can be bothered to think properly. Um, so they were an absolute nightmare. Like even all the way up to the ski cabin, one of them fell out of the bus. We had to open like a gate to, uh, to not let the cows out when we're taking them to their accommodation. One of the lads got out to be sick and so they just jumped out of the bus and pissed on him. He's like, right, okay, we're going to be that kind of tall. But that was good. I had a, had a really successful Zen rugby tournament. Unfortunately, Indra Westland lost all the games, but uh, 
good to have some some fresh competition for Norwegian sides because uh, it does get a bit boring playing the same people four times a year and then that's that, that's it really. So uh, good to have some fresh blood against you, which is nice. We got very rowdy on the Sunday night as well. How were the how were the team from Stratford? Were they good or were they all just too drunk to sit? show off how good they were. Well, I struggled on even then. They're not a bad side. I forgot that I actually played against them a few times before because they ended up in the same league as my home club in the UK. But um, they brought most of their veterans and thank God they did because uh, there's, there's no real substitute for, for just having played lots and lots of rugby. So even though they were half cut in the morning, they still didn't lose a game. They drew both their games against Bergen um, and they hammered Indra Vestland. Um just because they were big blokes that played lots of rugby, you can take the hits and can just play. Old man strength. Proper old man strength. They just knew the game. Yeah, there's no substitute for, for game time. No. Damn. So are they, uh, do you reckon they're going to try and come over like on an annual basis for this or is it just going to be a one-off? I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be allowed back. <laughs> um. Yeah, there were fire extinguishers set off and there's some some Snapchat videos of people behind the bar and getting really rowdy. But they they were they were great value, they were good fun. But uh I'm not entirely sure they'll be allowed back into the But uh we'll see. Maybe they'll come back. Maybe we'll just bring someone else back and just keep cycling through different teams. That's a great idea though, having uh having an invitational team over from over from the UK for these for these cool smaller events. I think the snow I think people UK rugby clubs would lap up a snow rugby tournament as well. I think that would be something really interesting that they could they could get on board with. Well, we actually tried to get these guys home for the snow rugby, but um, the problem with that is in the middle of the UK season, and uh, uh, oh, yeah. but like um, the having the sand rugby in the summer break for us means that it's perfect pre-season material for them and. Uh, you know, yeah. Norway is expensive, so I'm not sure if teams will come back twice, but they'll all do it once. Sounds like good pre-season yeah. training for them, yeah. yeah I think pre-season training in, all, in in every sense of their phrase, basically. Yeah, sounds like you two have had a yeah, mad weekend, basically. Uh, well, good though. Nice. Tom, anything from you? Not really. I had a crap weekend. I met this guy that talked about trains. It was really weird. No, flags. Was it flags? Some bloke I met could do name a flag. You could show him a flag and he'd name the country as freak. So that was my weekend. Just met this absolute freak. What, in a bar or something? Yeah, it was in a bar. He just like comes up out of nowhere. He's only got his boxes on as well, which is quite odd. And he's like, show me a flag. I'll tell you the country. And he could get it every time. God, it was weird, my lad. My weekend was shit apart from that. And there hasn't really been any rugby on. I don't, I don't think there's... Oh, no, wait. Hang on. There was Samoa in Japan. And I think Fiji Tonga, but God knows. Anyway, we won't talk about that because I don't care about it, to be honest. Um, Mike, we're here to talk about yourself and everything that you've been doing. So I know, you know, you've got a bit of a reputation, let's say, in the Norwegian rugby community, I think. (laughs) But maybe for a lot of those that don't know you, could you give a bit of background to yourself? What brought you over to Norway? What are you doing? And maybe just a brief intro into all the work you've done on the rugby side of things as well over the past few years. So, uh, yeah, I moved to Norway in 2020 uh, during the pandemic. Um, me and my uh, fiance are both chiropractors and we had planned to come here for a while, but um, I got a bit delayed by, by COVID and stuff. 
But yeah, moved here. Um, and we've opened up a clinic here in Zolgenfjord. Um, and then I basically got here and there was there was no sport. And then I um, started hunting around a bit, found Burger and Rugby Club. I thought, ah, the closest one is not that far. You know, it's only three hours each way. So at that point, we just started the clinic. And um, so we weren't working every day of the week. So I could be like, okay, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, Thursday, Friday. So every Tuesday night, I'd finish my shift at work, jump in the car, go over the mountain, go to Bergen, train a bit, and then come back and I'd get over like one in the morning or something. And it didn't seem like that mental just because it was the closest club until I realized it's the equivalent of driving from my home in the UK and Bournemouth to Coventry to go training, which is, yeah, nuts. Um, yeah, I hadn't really had any plans to start any sort of rugby out here. Um, I just think, yeah, you know what, I'll put in a shift at Bergen now and then uh, just go and join for game days when I can. And I got in contact with uh, another chiropractor friend of mine who lived in Harrison and he um, told me to come play for the sea. He goes, yeah, play for them, bit of league, bit of union, that'll be class. That'll be me done. I just train on my own. And then uh, I had a patient come in who um, mentioned that he had a lecturer at the local university in Solmendal who was quite keen on rugby. He said, oh, yeah, just Google Google Matthew Shaw and, and go find him. And I hadn't worked out about this Norwegian stalker service. You go, you know, 1881, you can find anyone's address, anyone's number, anyone's email address. And find out how much tax they pay, which is weird. I'm really, really uncomfortable. But anyways, used it, dropped him a text message like, hey, do I, I like chasing the egg. Do you want to chase the egg? Let, let's do a rugby thing together. And then one thing led to another and we started Solvendor Rugby. Um, quite early doors. I think it was like our second training session. Uh, we got this um, email from the NRF. So this guy Isak in Eldarl had messaged them saying, "Oh, I see you're doing a snow rugby NM up up by me. Um, you know, we're the local sports club. We'd really like to get involved." And they said, "Right, well, go speak to this bloke Mike. He's on the other side of the mountain from you. Um, he knows a bit about rugby. He'll help you out." So I sent him, and honestly, it's the quite an embarrassing email because I was trying really hard to be like not so British and actually integrate. And before I came to Norway, I'd learned a bit of Bukmol. Um, but then where I live in Western Norway, they don't speak Bukmol at all. It's like a a very, very strong dialect. It's probably closer to Icelandic than the Norwegian you speak in Oslo. So I sent him this email, which was a, a big old mix of Bukmol, Vishamol, and uh, spelling errors because I'm very dyslectic. And he's like, save this email. He just brings it up every now and again just, just to have a little laugh to himself. But anyway, I sent him this email. And he popped over the mountain, jumped in the car, took him to training. I was like, so Isak, um, have you played rugby before? He's like, no. I was like, have you ever seen rugby before? He's like, no. But do you know anything about rugby? He's like, I, I know that it's coming to my village, so I feel like it's something we should be involved with. <laughs> right, okay, cool. Um, and so I was there. Uh, so he, he started his club then after that, and because he was the leader of the Idritz Lug, which is like the, the, the area sports club, so already had like a fast track into all the bureaucracy. So he got his club set up lightning fast. And uh, being that where I live is right in the middle of the club I'd started, the club he'd started, it was almost easier for me to pop over the mountain to him and help him out. So I sort of went between the two, um, trained in Solgendal when I could, trained in Merkdal when, when I could. Um... And then we built those two up. And uh, at this time, I'd like, you know how small the rugby community is. 
like a lad that I played sevens with had got in touch like, oh, Mike, do you want to um, get involved with the Norwegian national team? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I've just done this coaching course with a bloke who's the head coach for Norway and they um, they want to have you on board in, in some, some way as well. Yeah, cool. Why not? So I got in touch with them and then because with COVID you couldn't bring anyone from the UK to the uh, these camps. This is one of these uh, Norway camps where um, none of the coaches could come, none of the medics could come, nothing. So like, I turned up with um, Carl Frisch from Bergen, with Chinny from Stavanger and Richie from um, Saginaw. And we just sort of ran it as the four of us. And then, um, yeah, I kind of stuck the job as the team medic slash scrum coach for, for the national team. So I was doing those little bits, doing the bits of Solgenel, doing the bits of Eldar. We, uh, we had the, the snow rugby at him, which was quite fun. I carried on playing the Bergen, doing little bits and bobs. And then um, we had the sand rugby tournament last year. And off the back of that, we found a couple of locals. And um, they were getting quite keen on it. And so instead of just commuting to Solmendal, which I'm that's about an hour away from here, we thought, oh, you know what, we'll just have one training session a week here in Vic. And then we sort of started picking up, you know, maybe it was one or two people to train, but I decided, right, whatever happens, training is on. Even if just one bloke shows up, I'll just teach him how to chop for an hour. Um, and yeah, then we established the club here. And then this season, we um, decided to enter the rugby league, which was, yeah, pretty cool. I guess that's that's our story, and uh, I know you're saying like oh, everyone sort of says, "Oh yeah, Mike's done this, Mike's done that," but it's it's really a a big old team effort because if it hadn't been for finding Matthew or Isaac, yeah. I wouldn't have bothered. I'd have played like rubbish level social football or handball and just commuted to Bergen and Hogus, and I wouldn't have wouldn't have bothered it because it's far too much to take on your own. Um, so you know, it's uh, very important that um, I had those other two; otherwise, I'd have been nothing really. That's uh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. I think. <laughs> I yeah, can't... yeah. Um, what I mean, what brought you is your your missus is Norwegian. Yeah, so she's um Norwegian from this small village called. Uh, right, okay, so that yeah, that's why you yeah. moved out over there. Yeah, I mean, okay. I got to realize, like, well, we want to live somewhere that's near at least one of our families. There's bugger all point being. You know, away from both sets of parents and grandparents, so we may as well be near to one of them. So we lived with, lived in uh, Bournemouth for a bit, um, and then decided to uh, move to Norway instead. Awesome. And what's your so just what's your what's your rugby background then? Like, where did you where did you up playing? What kind of level did you play to? What where did you what kind of position were you at? What was what's that kind of background from you? So all the way through like club and school, I was just distinctly average. Um, I grew up in Dorset, in a pool in Dorset. I had played through school, just loved it. Um, played for my club, Wimborne, loved it. Um, and it wasn't until I sort of got to seniors. I uh, had a season out with a shoulder injury, had um, an operation on that. And then I just was so hungry to get back into it that I absolutely hammered the preseason one year and got like way fitter than I'd ever been before. I was like, oh, this is, this is brilliant. You know, I'm getting, I can actually get around the park. Well, this is way more fun. And then, like, went to uni at um, I was at the University of well, University of Glamorgan. It was at the time, and uh, that was quite a big rugby university. Well, like, not it's in Wales, so everyone's like mad keen for it. And so I just went there, played for like a, a local club side, played for the second team. And then I remember like we came back from uh, from the Christmas break one year, 
and I've been doing a serious amount of eating. And so I was like 120 something. I just very, very large, like a fresher. And they did like the first session back, did a fitness test, and I beat all the rest of the front row in the first team. I'm like, ah, you're massive and not that unfit. You can be on the bench of the first. And then from there, played first team uni rugby for a bit and did the whole South Wales mercenary thing because uh, there's so many clubs up there that have got far too much money and not enough players. And especially being a tight head prop, you can... um, you can get some quite good good money if you just uh, go play for the teams that need you. Mm. I mean, like, yeah, the team would be like, oh, you know, we, we need a prop this weekend. I really can't be bothered. I played on Wednesday. I played 80 minutes. I do not want to play on Saturday in, like, Brecon. Like, no. It's, oh, we'll give you 60 quid. It's, well, I'm skinny. I do need a new pair of boots. So, yeah, go on, and I'll play for you. <laughs> and then, like, okay, well, next week we've got skewing away. I was like, skewing is, like, the bad side of Swansea. It's horrible. I was like, no, I don't fancy it. I played another 80 minutes on the Wednesday. Don't want to. Like, oh, we'll give you 80 quid this time. I was like, oh, go on then. <laughs> and then it just, it, just keeps, it just keeps creeping up. And then when, they, when they're not that desperate, you don't play and so I should get a rest. Um, yes, I did that for a bit. I played um, a bit of military rugby. So I was in the Army Reserves and played for the Royal Welsh Regiment for a little bit. That's quite good fun. Um, played like senior county for Dawson and Wilts, but never... Never like proper, regular semi pro or anything. I did get offered a, a contract at Pontypridd Rugby Club, which is like Welsh Premiership. But at that exact same time, I was on my fourth year of chiropractic, which is like my seventh year at uni. And I, at the same time as I got offered that, I was also captain of the first team of the uni. And I've been offered a um, like a side job doing chiro for a, a lower club. I was like, okay, well, do I want to use my Saturdays like skipping like lectures and progressing my uh, my career or do I want to go play rugby and you know not get very much money but just get hurt just to try and chase that professional dream that I'm never going to have anyways but nah you know what I mean, partly regrets it but at the same time it made my my years at uni a lot easier how did you get on because so my uncle um this is back in the 80s he went to uni in Swansea um played first team rugby and he I mean his stories about that time are absolutely horrendous like he used to play against like mining towns and all kinds of he, their their uni team played you know uh, in the in the leagues around there and yeah as a as an english relatively posh uh young university student let's say the they got targeted um how did you sort of bright blonde hair my pride quite a posh accent for you know, a university student turn up in the front row. Did you get, did you get a lot of treatment from those Welsh boys, or was it, or was it all right? I think my saving grace was that they actually all thought I was South African. All right. <laughs> no one, no one clocked that I was English, even though I think I sound as English as anything. It was like, oh, you must be South African because you're being got blonde hairs. Whatever. Right, so they just left went along because they're weird. They left you low because they thought you were a sapper. Well, fair enough, yeah. Yeah, we're lucky. <laughs> wasn't until like the Six Nations came along, and I, I didn't realise how much the Welsh hated the English. I always used to support the Welsh in like the Six Nations. Like, oh, you know, they're, yeah, they're like, our neighbours. They're good. We like them. And then I was, I was wearing like my England top in Cardiff and one night, and just got spat on and pints launched. I'd be so much like, you know what? These people are horrible. 
like it was my best friends who were like throwing vines at me the next day they're like well that's what you do to the english people isn't it that's normal behavior it's like no it's not we're friends you don't throw pints at your mate just because he's english that doesn't work like that so through through all the clubs you've kind of been involved in and, and played for which club had the worst initiation um do you mean like the lamest initiation or like on oh, the most well, disgusting? Either them, it could be the lamest. Okay, let's go lamest and then the most disgusting. Oh, there was one club like the initiation was just stand on a table and sing a song with your pants down, which is like it's pretty easy, you know. But I all the that was up in a mining town and and the um the local old birds loved it. They they knew there was a new player, so they'd all come to the pub just to see a bit of Willie. Um, <laughs> didn't seem very much. Um, and then. What did you I, sing? Uh, what did you sing? Bet Tom Jones or I'll Save the Queen? Yeah. <laughs> Can't remember. I think it was a song about a blackbird. The South African national anthem. <laughs> yeah. yeah, something like that. Um, and then, like, uh, yeah, uni initiations, they're always always a bit of fun. But we um, tried to bring in a role of, you know, you, we don't make anyone do anything that you wouldn't do yourself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, Things always can get a bit out of hand, but I think most of the initiations I was involved with were the right side of you know they were they were loose. Like there was you know people eating people eating vomit and doing all sorts of weird things. But like the worst the worst one we had was this kid called uh, called Johnny Smith. He um he was actually on like Scrum Five when he was eight doing all these like well let's ask little Johnny who he thinks is going to win the Six Nations this weekend. He's like I reckon Wales will win and it'll be lovely we'll be under point. But he um, but he turned up to you to uh, his initiation, and um, I was a senior player at this point, and someone goes like, "Pride, we need your help. We want the freshers." Like, why? What's he doing? It's like, well, he's eating sick. It's like, who who made him eat sick? That's disgusting. But like, no, no, we can't stop him. He just decided to dig into the jundle bucket and eat the sick. And like, I was like, I was like, Johnny, what are you doing? He's like, it's like, oh, I love it, I do. It's good booze in there. It's only after I just said. <laughs> And, that, and we thought that was maybe a one-off, like him trying to make it a name for himself as an initiation. But still, like five years later, we were on tour with a seven team. Like some other fresher had just been sick after an eating challenge, and he just put his hand under the guy's mouth to catch the sick, and then just carried on eating it. It's like Johnny, like, you've grown up now. You don't need to do that. It was hard. It was all that was die hard in it, boy. Oh, I love it. <laughs> that is that's actually revolting. Oh, yeah. wrong with well, didn't people. You, Tom, on the, on one of your stack dudes recently, didn't like one guy, didn't you say it was like you couldn't stop him from drinking? Like, wasn't he so worked for his own stag? Or something weird? Yeah. So, to be fair, like, that lad who he could have possibly, like, at someone else's sick if he was, like, really drunk. He, he, he like most stags you have to like force them to drink whereas he was like fully up for it and like having a go at us for not giving him enough alcohol like like it's only like 5 30 in the afternoon and everyone's just arrived and we haven't even got food yet and he wants six pints and he wants to down them all and do shots so yeah he could possibly i don't know i don't know if like being a few, being an enthusiastic drinker means that you're more likely to want to eat someone else's sick i don't know and lodge club but uh it's just grim, really. That's rugby people are just weird, aren't they? Some rugby people are just yeah. 
They're just genuine wrongings. What did you say the values of rugby were, Tom? Alcoholism and fake hardness. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. when those are your values, you get you get those kind of characters there. That is disgusting, but also incredible. Um, no, it's not. It's just disgusting. No, but it had to be a little... It's it had vile. Mining, it had to be a mining town, didn't it, in Wales? It's not going to happen anywhere else, is it? He's like, he's a lawyer with five kids now or something. <laughs> I can guarantee you he's not. <laughs> he's still a loose cannon, the nicest kid you'll ever meet. But you know, he'll he'll do that sort of thing sober, he's just wrong. Yeah. Oh. Good thing he doesn't live in Norway with what we pay for alcohol here. I reckon he'd be like it's, you know, try, I could actually try and like drinking people's piss or something just so he could get the dregs of alcohol because he'd have to pay so much for it over it. <laughs> He's actually very close to getting a job with a Brian Borrow in Bergen and coming having a season out here. Oh my God. But <laughs> maybe he'll arrive at some point. Who knows? <laughs> we'll get him over. We'll get him on the pods. Favourite Irish pub in Bergen or the only Irish pub in Bergen. Um, so I had a question like, whenever you're playing rugby now, back in your in your hometown or in Bergen, do you feel like there's quite a, a niche following that you're getting? Because uh, I know you've had quite a lot of like publicity, you've been in like local papers quite a few times and stuff like that. Do you feel that you're starting to get a bit of a crowd down for games? Um, so yeah, we do have a bit of a local following, and I'm I'm not sure whether it's people that like the sport or are just curious to see what the hell it is we're doing. Um, the local news coverage is is very bizarre to me. Like the first time I got in the paper was like the story was mad local man drives three hours to go to training and once slept on the mountain it's like what is is that what constitutes the news here <laughs> and then and then like the next article is yeah that that same bloke is, is doing another rugby thing this time this time it's in Zomendal is that right okay, yeah. and then it just it just carries on with talking about us doing stuff and I guess being quite inclusive and getting people involved in sport who haven't necessarily been involved in the sport before but our first home game against San Ness, like we filled the stands. Um, maybe a hundred or people came to watch. Um, I mean, it was the it was the only sporting event happening that day in the village. Like there was a, oh, there was a women's football tournament before. We I contacted the women's audience and said, look, let's work together here. You know, when you're doing your game, they were playing like half a pitch. Things we'll do like a kids' day on the other half of the pitch, and then as soon as your game finishes, we'll run our game. So they're like the kiosk, the kiosk is up and running. Like there's cake, there's coffee, there's some sort of atmosphere down at the pitch all day. Um, and in a very small area, it's it's quite easy to make a splash, I guess, in a way. And I, I'm I'm not exactly a quiet, timid person, so I um I tend to sort of make enough noise that people want to come and see what the hell it is I'm actually doing. Um, but we are uh, like I got my. My son was for my my, my fiance's um, grandmother to come watch our first game against Sandnes, and she just on the corner of the island. They're not particularly good, but they're getting better. Like, thank you. <laughs> and uh, the second like home event we had here was um, Norgis Cup round three, and uh, a lot of people came to watch that. They said it was really good. There were kids involved, but people were like oh. it was a bit boring compared to the league. There wasn't enough violence. Too much running. Too many tries. I want to see more violence. Um. So I guess, but like, yeah, the San Robbie now, we had quite a few people turn up and, and have a look, even though it's the middle of the summer holidays. So um, 
Yeah, people are people are keen. People are interested. Um, you know, we get at least one debutant every time we we play a game. So we're still uh, still attracting new people to come and try it. And it probably does help that every time I go to the pub, I literally grab anyone that's over eighteen. It's like, are oh, you? Do you play sports? Like, no. Do you want to play sport? Come join us on Thursdays. Come play rugby. He's like, oh no, but I'm not massive. He's like, don't worry. Are you fast? No, not really. Okay, don't worry about that either. Just come along. Um, we had a. I mean, we had the moment. I think we've got the two statistically most successful rugby players in Norway. We've got um a 43-year-old and a 50-year-old who have played one full-size game of rugby and one against Lillestrøm. And like he, this guy played his uh, first game of rugby at 50 years old, beat Lillestrøm. That's his only his only full-size game of rugby so far. That's quite cool. Wow. That's what Tom keeps saying about him. Him as the most successful rugby coach ever in Norway with a um, win record. Yeah, but he didn't make his debut at 50, did he? Have to see if he makes it that far first. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> I think someone will come. I think why he's, the way he runs his mouth, I think someone's going to come and get him before he's 50. Yeah. No, he's shaking his head. Um, what um, What are your numbers like then at trainings on a, on a weekly basis? Um, so because the, the Indra Vestland project is sort of split between three clubs, um, you know, some we we encourage all our players to go to training wherever they want. We don't have any like um training costs or anything, so people can turn up wherever. I think the best session I've had was like fifteen people. Um, so that that's not bad for Vic. Um, and, you know that is you know men, women, and and our youth section. We all train together because we don't really have the luxury of being able to break things up yet. Um, and obviously we have our sessions where we've just had one person. Um, so it's just me and them one on one in a blizzard in the middle of winter. Just, yeah, you're right. Let's crack on with that. We do some some pretty valuable things with that. Um, scrum. Yeah, you never really cried. Scrums for two hours in the, in a blizzard with Mike Pride as like a <laughs> thirteen year old who's never played rugby before. Never <laughs> like um uh, this this guy just like came along and I was like, do you do you want to be here in tracks? He's like, yeah. He's like, cool. Well, um, you're in one on one tackling. Because uh, that is good for you. Let's go. Teach him how to hand off. Teach him how to size step. Teach him how to chop. And now he's brilliant at it. So it all, all pays off in the end, I guess. What are the uh, balance? Oh. Yeah, sorry. I was just going to ask what the kind of because I, I mean, for people who aren't familiar with that area of Norway, um, so you've got your three, you've got your three clubs that sort of make the in the Vestlander. How far away are those are those places from each other? So Sogendal is about an hour away. Um, it's on the other side of the fjord, so you have to get a ferry and then drive a bit to Sogendal. Um, and then Eldar from Vic. From Vic. Yeah. Mm. So Vic sits in the middle. Um, so Sogendal is an hour and a bit in one direction. Um, and Eldar, which is sort of Merkdal, is 45 minutes to an hour the other direction in the summer. In the winter... When the mountain closes, it's much further. Right. Okay. So when the mountain closes, it's easier for Eldar to get to Sogndal. But in the summer, we're um a really nice little middle spot. And that's why we have um our home games here, and also because we have a grass pitch here. Okay. Right. So I mean, it's not. I mean, you're not you're not miles and miles away, but it's not like 
do you do you do you have your trainings at the same place on the same day or do you have them on the same day at different places or like how does the do people train at all the different clubs or do they just train in their own kind of village or town people mostly train in their own town but occasionally if uh so, so like the the week before the sand rugby um well the guys who lives in Solmendal had his i've forgotten what the relation is but his cousin was like visiting from um from oslo and they're like oh we we fancy training in Vik, so they made the effort to come to Vik that time but they won't do that every week um and sometimes the elder guys come over to us if i've got a spare weekend for example i'll go to either Solmendal or eldar to train with them but most people stay in their own village okay and you three i guess the you three guys are sort of coach players you guys talk to each other about what you're going to do in terms of in kinds of coaching and what you guys need to work on or is it more like you just do your own thing and then meet up on a on a game day and and um, team and play so we try and make it as fluid as possible um because say in Songdar, for example they've got three four different coaches that rotate around and try and manage it um eldar have got two or three coaches and in Vik, we've got me and then two others who are just starting to coach now. Um, but we have a like a Vestland coach development group. So all the coaches in Bergen, BSI, and then our three clubs, we have like a big group chat and we try and share ideas and that sort of thing. Um, but when we when we play league, we're not we're not really bothered about tactics because anything beyond let's do a switch is is quite hard for people that have only really just picked up the ball. So what we work on is just whoever's there, okay, what does this person need on that day? You know, if one person's coming and they're a bit crap of carrying into contact, then we'll just work on that. Um, like our, our entire season goal for this year hasn't been about winning. Um, I mean, my personal season goal was to field the team four times. That's it. So, you know, three out of four one game left a week and if I can get a team I don't care whether they're all ours or whether there's ringers in there don't bother me as long as we get that team on the pitch just to show that it's possible that we can do a season then people start to believe and every time we do a game there's more people like, oh that does actually look interesting I'll come along um, so you know we're not necessarily worrying about moves or anything like that and plus we're also coaching people completely positionless mm. so we don't we don't want to like put people down a chance and say, okay, you're a winger. You do winger things. Because I don't know if they're a winger. What if they're actually a brilliant prop? You know, there's one bloke who I started him on the wing because he was quite fast. And then, you know, his second game, he got bored and I put him in prop for a bit and he was brilliant there. Um, so, you know, we just don't know where is our people's best positions. And while they're still trying to learn basic catch and pass, it's just, right, well, stand on the bench, do the catch and pass, see what happens. Nice, yeah. I mean, that's a great that's a great way of going going about it, isn't it? Sort of just building up everything, foundation yeah. of everything, and and learn and teaching them the game. No, I think that's a really good, really good way of doing it. And how is how is uh, as a bloke who grew up in in Dorset and then played rugby in in Wales? How is it being on the on the dark side, the rugby league, playing rugby league a lot? How have you how have you found that? I know you how how are you enjoying it? Um, I mean, I played a little bit of rugby league before I came here, but um, it was always a case, of, you know, it's a fun game, but you know, when you're playing however many games a season, you kind of fancy that off season, don't you? 
Um, so I hear when it's like, oh, there's not actually that much going on. I, I like rugby league. It's you get your hands on the ball more, you make more tackles, you make more passes, you do more basic things. I mean, I still absolutely love a scrum. So, you know, I'm never going to get that in rugby league. But then with the whole project, it's kind of forced me to be a completely different player to what I was before because I was a very, like, one-dimensional prop before. You know, if I went into a game, if I did my scrums good, lifted up the man in the line out and carried a couple of times and didn't miss a tackle, then that was a successful game for me. Whereas now with playing the league out here, I'm, I'm playing the equivalent of 10, so I'm playing like first receivers like that is completely outside my skill set and my comfort zone so it's been um quite fun to force myself to change in that way through rugby league and rugby league is just so easy to coach um yeah none of that mucking about with rucks and walls and scrums and especially if you've just got especially if you're taking people from a a complete non-starter perspective all right i will go into the schools here i say all right let's play tag rugby do tag rugby and then like, right, he wants to do contact rugby. Yeah, me, I want to do contact. Okay, the only difference is we take the tag belts off and now you hit each other. It's the only difference between tag rugby and rugby league. It is so easy to coach. Um, when the union season starts up now, we... So you know that uh, obviously ECB isn't isn't really a team. Um, so everyone's all got this blank fixture in their schedules. Mm. So when Bergen are meant to be playing against ECB, we have um, arranged a training day up here in Voss. So... The Bergen lads will all come up to us. We'll all go to Voss, get together and do a crash course on what is rugby union um, and try to have like a, a big day of it on a Saturday so the boys can, can see the differences because once you've got the patching, catch and pass nailed, then uh, time to work out like scrums and line outs, a bit of positioning, a bit of interplay, that sort of stuff. But we'll do that once and then hopefully feed into Bergen for the season. Yeah, okay. So that's your 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 plan is to kind of bolster their their squad for the year and you'll be playing for you'll be playing for Bergen in the in the 15s this year well I can't really commit to that as much no. I'd, I'd like to play for Bergen but I don't know what our club will do in general um you know I my main thing is just getting our boys game time so whether that makes us Bergen players or just anyone who's playing in Bergen against Bergen players yeah you know, we'll just do whatever we can do just because get the boys experience and we we played league specifically so that we wouldn't have uh clashes with bergen mm. so that you know they could help us out we could help them out but their rebuild is going really well so they've got decent numbers so i'm gonna push the competition for spaces and uh you know i just need to get our boys game time that's the only way to to get good in it yeah i mean that's what we say with you know even the guys who play who've played 10 years in Norway it's like the equivalent of two seasons in the UK when you play 30 games a year or whatever it is Um, and yeah there's nothing you can't really replicate getting battered by massive French people against Sargana like for 80 minutes you can't replicate that in training really can you no and I mean that's where you know the league has been great because it's it doubles the size of your season and you're playing against different people. Like I said earlier, it was really nice playing against the Stratford boys because it's a completely different set of people to play against. Um, and you almost get that with the the Union League split. You know, if you're playing League, it's a different set of four teams you're playing against compared to Union, which is, you know, another set of boys. So 
Mm. It's good to just get as much rugby under your belt as possible. Yeah, and it's and with these new, you know, like I'm down here in Christiansand, and actually the reason why this rugby club started was because um, Biat, who who started the club, just turned up to your San Rugby last year, I think, with his with his kids, and he he'd never seen rugby before, and he didn't really know what it was, and he just turned up, and he he was there for some reason, and he just got hooked that he loved it, and then now he brought that down here, and then now there's a club down here, um, so. It's it's yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool. I mean, like we say, I think the game is good. Like rugby is good. Rugby clubs are great. It's it's. I don't think it's that hard to get people on board once they understand what it is and once they've tried it. Um, but yeah, I think it's getting those people through the door, isn't it? Yeah, and that's where the um, the tag rugby's been so successful because Beat was here on holiday visiting a friend, um, and we said, "Well, come play come play tag rugby." You know, that is an extremely low entrance point. And then mm. if they're there for the tournament, they're there throwing the ball about, they're running the lines, they're doing the things. And then in between their games, they're watching a game of full smash rugby. Mm. You know, and then uh, they're like, oh, okay, I could I could get involved with that. And then like this weekend, we had Nordan Eel. I was another local Idris Lug. Uh, one of the guys brought a, a team with like his kids and stuff. And they're like, oh, actually... They really enjoyed that, so we're gonna start doing tag rugby out with us. I think that having that really, really low, easy entrance point for people is just a great way to get people involved. Like there were a lot of spectators that came to watch on the weekend, and they sort of be there standing. Where it's like, "Oh, hey, are you playing?" I like, no, 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 we're not playing. It's like, "What do you want to?" It's like, "What? So, what, do you want to play?" But like, oh, maybe. Is that right? Well, if you want to play, registration's over there. Give us a hundred kroners. Give us your your details. Have you got any kit? No. So I oh, was a bag over there. Got some shorts and shirts. And you go chuck that on. Get stuck in. And then you know you see, <laughs> like there were some like older bloke with his glasses on walking around in a full week strip. As I actually didn't have any clothes. Okay, he just borrowed all of it. Brilliant. And then he's having a little jog about the pitch, and he was just coming down to see what was going on. But um, if that was full contact, there's no way you'd get someone from the sideline. You'd be brave enough to get in, and actually, it would be dangerous. Yeah, but um, and I hadn't actually w- realized how how much easier it is to get involved with tag compared to touch, just because uh, there's no there's no lying involved in tag. It's like when you play touch rugby, you go, "Oh, I got him." So, like, did you actually? Like, yeah, yeah, I promise I did. Whereas tag is like you quite clearly got the little thingy, mm. and I don't know what it is about having some sort of equipment. People love equipment, don't they? All the kids get really excited up putting their tag belts on. Um, so yeah, no, I've uh, I've been I'm, I'm fully a tag convert now, as an advertisement to get people into rugby. The baby, yeah, the, the gateway, the gateway drug. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. What's um? I think you know you, you probably throughout this you you've kind of answered it, and I think maybe. But what's been the biggest challenge for you, um, with all of this? Um. I, I, I'm not really sure because my my media response was geography, um, yeah. but that's that's a boring answer, and we all know that the geography doesn't really help us in Norway. But the difference is like the geography I can understand that I can look at a map and go, "Oh, that's a long way." The things that I found most difficult is the the levels of bureaucracy, um, and the way that Norwegian sport works. Um, 
you know, trying to start a club and then, you know, you get invited to meetings, then you have to do a thing and then I do another thing. And, you know, people will try and translate stuff for me or I'll use Google Translate on these documents. And, you know, my, my Norwegian is limited to work Norwegian. You know, tell me all about your bad back. I understand what you're saying. Try and tell me about, like, the Norwegian sports law. And I, I get it lost. Um, so I, I guess I found that quite complicated. And also the cultural differences and people's reservations, things that don't necessarily make sense to me, um, coming from a different culture. You know, people say, oh, no, you can't do the, do a thing in Sommerferia. You know, so well, why not? So, oh, well, because that's when we take a break. Like, what are you talking about? You're having a mid-season break. Are you mental? That's the easiest way to completely ruin yourself. And you're not going to do a pre-season? No, of course you're not going to do it. It's your holiday. There's no way you can stop trading. That, that's silly. Um, you know, we just carried on trading through some of area. Just had to accept I'm going to get rubbish numbers. But, yeah, small things like that that just culturally make sense here but don't necessarily make sense in my head, I think, is the the difficult bits. Mm. I mean... Have there been, um, at your trainings, have there kind of been some players who you, you like looked at them and be like, wow, you know, if you were playing, if you started when you were a lot younger, then you know, you could have been really, really good. Or on the flip side, are there some kids there now, or some of the younger ones who, who were showing like a lot of potential? But I'm, I'm when I say potential, I mean like, you know, Norway international level in a couple of years sort of thing or? Uh, yes and yes. Um, we've had some guys come along and, uh, my one, one guy's a, a bit of a local legend as a goalkeeper. And he said, after the first time he played in the sand rugby last year, he said, I've been playing the wrong sport my whole life. <laughs> now, you know, he's, he's known as being an aggressive bloke and he's like 46 or something. Um, maybe a bit younger than that, maybe I've just done a disservice, but he's 40 something, you know. Played football his whole life, and he's like, "Oh, actually, I'm, I'm quite aggressive." And he's, he's he's an aggressive dude. He'd have been much better off playing rugby his whole life. It would have been much more cathartic for him. Um, and there's a lot of people that have said, "Oh, you know, I wish Mike had moved to V when I was 16 because this is really fun." Um, and then also we, so before the last round of the Norgis Cup, we were meant to have a. We tried to sort of say, right, every time we do anything um, rugby related with Indra Vesla, we'll always try to do something for the youth. And something for the women as well. So when we have a home game, it's like, right, we'll do a youth training day as well. Um, and when we did the Norway stuff, like, right, we're going to do a youth tournament as well. So um, we got Bergen to come up here and, and play against our youth. And like, there's there were no kids really in Vik. They were all in uh, Solgendal and Elda. And like that week, a load of them dropped out or like said they weren't available. So like, oh, like we're bringing... Burger up here with a youth team, and now we suddenly don't have a youth team. This is going to be quite embarrassing. So I just I just been into the school to show the teachers what is tag rugby. So I contacted the headmaster. I like, look, can I come in and just talk to one of the classes? Like, yeah, they, a lot of them have got exams. So come talk to the ninth grade. So I just went in, said, I I I need some kids who are keen to go have a go at some city boys this weekend. You know, five lads put their hand up came to one trading session and then they actually ran them pretty close on the weekend, you know, and, uh, you know, one of the lads was just very nervous. He was like quite a small dude. Um, he's like, Oh no, I don't ever want to, ever want to play. I don't ever want to join. You know, everyone's big and scary. I don't worry about it, mate. Cause you're, you're so little, you're already at waist height. So you can just get some nice low tackles and you'll be absolutely fine. 
And then he was sick. Like after one game, um, David Shetland from Bergen came and was like, that kid's going to play for Norway. I need his name and details. Wow. Um, and like generally all of our, we've got a really good group across all three clubs of ninth graders. And it's really cool. They're all the same age. A lot of them are keen as mustard. Um, and they're going to like rugby league national team camps and they're joining whenever Jake is about. And there's, there's talent and there's keen boys and there's just, I'm really excited for that age group. They'll be 16 in, so they'll be 10th graders next year. So getting on towards 16, some of them, as soon as they hit their 16th birthday, will be ready for senior rugby. Some of them maybe will take another half a year or so. We'll, we'll see how we go. But the, uh, the future is bright from that perspective. Wow. That's class. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. We could learn a lot from uh, from what you guys have, have done over there so far. Yeah. What's what's the yeah, yeah. Cool. just going, Jeff? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other thing we're doing. My mustache, I probably can't be doing. Now, nah, yeah, Ed, 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 Ed and Tom won't be able to do that, man. <laughs> what's um? So I don't know if you've kind of taken it almost month by month, year by year, but and you kind of got like a, a three to five year plan. Um, yeah, I guess so. My my major plan that I sort of wrote down, just because if you, if you don't have a goal and write it down, you're never really going to achieve it. Um, I always have like a, a rule of five that of the three clubs, each one can provide five players reliably. That'd be nice. Um and just generally phase out the ringers because as much fun as it was playing with Mel and Johnson and Andre and, and the, yeah. the other guys like Jake and that who came from other clubs against Lillestrøm, I mean, it was great fun winning, but it would have been more fun if it was all our boys. So just to keep growing, um, keep pushing the youth because, you know, especially from a from the perspective of actually growing the club, if you if you recruit a fifty year old, they may be. Keen as mustard, brilliant at coaching, but you know, realistically, how many years worth of playing time you're going to get out of them? Whereas if you recruit a 14 year old, you know, they're probably going to be better, they're going to be fitter, they're going to be less likely to break, and you've got them for way more years. And also, that's such a difficult age. They're like, if you can, if you can get all the kids that are four and out of other sports and get them into sport again, you know, that's that's quite cool, isn't it? Yeah, that is, yeah, for sure. Um, that's awesome. And I how? Got, um, sorry, Jack. One. Yeah, I was just going to ask. I was just going to ask Brady, and I. Oh. No. He's back. Uh, yeah, I was just going to ask Brady. Um, that you talk. You talk a really good game about you know, getting all these people involved. But how much of the rugby club stuff is you caring about rugby and really trying to? you know, bring sport to Norway and how much of it is about building a client base for your chiropractic uh <laughs> chiropractic centre. Get a load of fifty year olds to play rugby league who've never played it before and then uh, and then you stick your card and in the changing room at the end of the game. <laughs> Imagine if they were doing full scrums as well. Imagine it was full union just doing yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Um very, very few of my players are uh, are also patients. Um, but at the same time, like the way I see it, like, not zero. Um, the way I see it, like, what what is the point in being fit and healthy if you can't use it? Um, 
you know, like the only way to avoid sports injuries is to avoid sport, and that's well boring. Um, you know, I know as well as many people, the risks involved in rugby, I've broken lots of things. I've had a few operations, but I'm still doing it. Um, if I, if I believe that it was that dangerous, I would have given up a long time ago. Um, you know, it's, you know, being, being healthy and being fit is all about being able to use it. Right. You know, whether that is skiing or playing rugby, I don't mind. Just don't do nothing. No, no, no that's fair. Just, uh, Make sure you teach people when they're scrumming to just, you know, use their neck to push and uh nice round back. And then uh yeah. You've got a you've got a winner, winning recipe for your well, no, on, and your and your rugby club. On the opposite side, I'm actually selling loads of uh like branded uh elastic bands to do lots of neck prehab so that everyone can have such a strong neck that they don't actually get injured, <laughs> but they're buying my bands. Uh, okay, well yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, any other questions, Jack or Tom? Because I've just got like ten or twelve pretty quick fire ones, which I thought would be fun to to go through. No, oh, yeah, let's do yeah, do the do the quick fire. Cool. All right. So, Mike, just uh, yeah, if you, I mean, answer as quick as you can. But obviously, if there's a couple you want to think about, totally fine. But uh, yeah, just ten or twelve. So, started off uh, favorite team. Wasps. Oh, you have to stay over a existing team. Existing <laughs> team. They'll be back. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to say it. Lion um, equipment. Rugby, rugby League or Rugby Union? Union. Snow Rugby, Sand Rugby? Snow. Favourite rugby moment? Um... Uh, I nailed a crossfield kick in a cup final for my home team while playing prop, which I 100% should not have been doing. <laughs> Funniest thing you've ever seen on a rugby pitch? Probably that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, the funniest thing that's happened to me on a rugby pitch is uh, a second row was binding like on my shorts, pulled down a bit hard, broke the drawstring, and so just had my penis sitting on their hand. So I was there trying to scrummage just with full dick out, like sitting on his hand. And I, I laughed so hard I couldn't focus on my scrums. I got absolutely bent upside down and giving a willy out. That's incredible. Um, scariest player in Norway? Who? Us. Because I've not met Alexi yet, so I don't know. Oh, the best player you played against in Norway. Hellas. Best international player right now. I've got a soft spot for Genji. Oh, nice. Uh, Jack will definitely agree with that. I think uh, best player of all time. Johnny. Match-winning try or try-saving tackle. Match-winning try. No one, no one writes down the try-saving tackle. Everyone records all the tries. Fair. Um, three more just to finish, or four more. Sorry, beer or cider? Cider. <laughs> Mason Dorps uh, it. Of course, he's going to say cider. Yeah, I know. Probably the only thing you missed out of the UK. Uh, the drink drive limit. I absolutely love 
two pints and driving home. And the fact that you can't even sniff half a beer here and drive home is really upset me. I think that's the best answer I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, Favourite meal of all time? Good beef Wellington. Nice. And finally, the World Cup winners will be? Going to have to say England just because I'm patriotic and blind. Nice. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, I was not expecting some of those answers. I won't lie. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, for myself, I, I haven't got any further questions. Jack, Tom? Nah, it's been class to have you on, mate. Um, yeah, we wanted to have you on for a while, and it's, it's great that you can. It's great that you took some time out to come to come chat to us, and uh, and yeah, hopefully we'll. We'll see you. We'll see you when the season goes. And uh, are you you in signed up for East versus West? By the way, uh, no, because we've actually got a home game against Oslo that same day, um, and I've got a wedding in Vigo to go to. So even if I did want to bin off my own game, I have to be back here for a wedding. All right, okay, Shane. So we've actually we've actually arranged our game to be a ten thirty a.m. kickoff, so I can be finished in time for the uh, the church service. <laughs> That's commitment that is. Brilliant. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been awesome to have you on. Thank you so much. And I think, you know, in the next few months, it be great to, to get you back, maybe with uh, Matthew and Isaac as well. And maybe with just like one or two of us, but um, getting all three of you on at some point, I think she would be really good as well. Yeah, you don't need all so three of us at the same time. time. You can just get Matthew on. He'll talk for all three of us. But uh, thank you very much. I don't, I, I don't doubt you there. Yeah. Cheers, Mike. Uh, yeah, all the best with everything. Um, yeah, and enjoy the rest of the week, mate. You do, boys. Cheers. Miss Nakas. Cheers, cheers, mate. Class. Featuring <laughs> truck limit. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. That is, I mean, I'm, I do, yeah. Oh, no, that, is that is a fair point. Yeah, no, brilliant. It's it's uh, it's super impressive what him and Matthew and Isaac have been doing up there on um, the West Coast, and yeah, I think they're really appreciating um, any kind of publicity and stuff like that. But they're, uh, they're getting a lot better, and it'll be good to see them going, kind of competing for uh, some titles soon, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, cool. Tom, you've been awfully quiet. Because I was listening. Like, you didn't ask me any questions, did you? It's all about Mike. It's all about his opinions and stuff. And anyway, we need to end the podcast now because it's about to go over an hour. So, well, it's, 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 I need to wrap it up. All right. all right, guys. Well, Jack, I hope you make a full recovery. Um, Tom, I hope you can somehow get over the, the flaggy... My flaggy uh, bastard. The <laughs> my flaggy bastard. What's his name? Mad Flaggy Bastard. Um, Yeah, thanks a lot, gents. Enjoy the rest of your week. Tom, how long have you got until you're moving up north? Quickly. Moving on Monday, so I've got a week. Can't come soon enough. I think it's Monday. Awesome. Um, Yeah, cheers, guys, and I'll chat to you all soon.